What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. As always, I'm Riley Holbert, joined by my good, good friend, J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it going today? It's going pretty well, Riley. I'm feeling a little low energy. I don't know what it is. <laughs> the rain and the darkness. It's been dark for pretty much the last two days. It's just overcast and Just entrenched in and... darkness. Yeah, I don't know. And I've just been looking at a computer screen for <laughs> like nine hours today. So I'm, just feeling, hours. I'm feeling a little low energy. Yeah, I feel that. I've uh, I've been really struggling with like allergies lately. And fall, I guess fall isn't really the most traditional time to have allergies, but it's not uncommon either. And so sure. it's been a, a huge pain and I felt awful. I actually just woke up from a nap. Um, not a planned one. I just kind of was in my bed, and all of a sudden I was in my bed, and it was later. Yeah, <laughs> so, right, right. You know, that's that's the kind of day I'm having. That's uh, right. It's also it's been rainy over here too. Not I don't think as bad. I think Ohio's had some like really turbulent kind of weather, right? Or it's changed a lot in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we haven't had it that bad in Minnesota. It was snowing the other day. That's wild. Yeah, it was that's snowing just, in the Upper Peninsula as well. Of that's Michigan. just like, that's uh, not okay, man. It's too early. Yeah. Uh, I do <laughs> enjoy a good snow. Really? I don't know. I'm kind of over snow. I, I like it, man. I like it. It's a nice <laughs> change of pace from the day to day. I kind of like the cool weather. Like, I like wearing a jacket, having a sweater, uh-huh. jeans, and all that. I like that, but yeah, snow is just kind of painful sometimes <laughs> for sure <laughs> but you know it's raining here still so everything's yeah. everything's good i think then let's just jump right into it no need to stick to gloom and doom though so <laughs> players well, cup it's it is still gloom and doom for one of us but it's still a little bit of gloom and doom but not all the way so <laughs> players cup is wrapping up this is the last full week of gameplay that we have here. And, you know, we're starting to get a good sense of where things are falling, how many players are actually, like, doing this thing, how many points you can expect to need, all that kind of fun business. And so uh, we talked a lot about my run last week, a lot of Picaram, a lot of Lucario Metal. Metal. Um, JW, we didn't have a great chance to talk about your run, which is now completed, uh, so why don't you give us the quick lowdown on how that's gone since we last checked in? Sure. So I am more than likely not going to make the second stage of the Players Two, uh, Players Cup Two. Uh, I ended the run with seventy-eight points, which is you know significantly below where I was aiming to hit. You know, I was hoping to get somewhere in the in the nineties, hundreds. Or, you know, I was hoping to get 250, but obviously I didn't quite get there. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I played a majority of the tournaments, I would say 25. It was like 25 to 30 with Picaram, And then I played 10 with Lucario Melmetal and about, you know, whatever the rest, 15 would, yeah, 15 with ADP Zashin. And uh, I had the most success with Picaram. Um, and it was, you know, it was a deck that I got maybe 50, 40 or 50 points from Lucario Melmetal also did pretty well. Uh, and then ADPZ was just not hitting. I think I had a couple of games towards the end of the run that really just, 
kind of exemplified the whole run. I, not to not to place the whole thing on bad luck um, uh, by any means, but there was just like a couple of games where, you know, there's there was one game where, you know, research all I need to hit in my ten card deck is my great catcher to move on, and you know I miss it right. So ten yeah. cards, I, I draw seven, I miss that, and then. Another game. This was this is actually the last game of the of the tournament. So I was in the finals against a Mewtwo player, and it was kind of a same situation where I had about 20 cards in the deck. I either needed to find Boss or a Great Catcher, and I have an Orcorio down. I'm playing ADPZ. Uh, I have a huge hand because I had just taken a knockout, and they weren't able to reset stamp me. So I had you know maybe 10 cards in hand after taking this knockout and I need to hit just a few, like there were a number of ways that I could have won the game. So I, I or choreo and I could have hit, if I hit a quick ball, then I can just get a Zashin V and I have the resources and hand to power it up and take the knockout on the active. Uh, and so I, I use or choreo and, and don't find a Zashin. Okay. That's, that's not a big deal. I will play a Dedenne down and try to look for the great catcher and then, or a boss off the Dedenne and, and don't hit that. And then, uh, I have a research in hand, so okay, I research into an 11 card deck to try to hit the great catcher and don't hit it. So I end up going through something like you know 15 or 16 cards out of my 20 card deck, uh, <laughs> just needing a few things in certain orders and didn't quite get there. So that was really, to me, you know, it just left me with that with that sweet taste of defeat mm. uh, following up following the Players Cup. But I really enjoyed myself for the most part. What's that? A notably sweet taste, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed myself for the most part. Uh, it certainly was a little bit taxing in terms of not living up, or well, not, yeah, living up to the expectations that I had set for myself. So I opted to not stream my games um, because I was just feeling a ton of pressure, and I, I can't really quantify that. Um, but other than that, I mean, it, it, was, it was fun. I, I really look forward to the opportunity to do it again so if you could go back and change anything about you know how you went about your run would you i don't think so i feel like i played decks that had good matchups i feel like i played decks that i could try to either play a more consistent list than my opponent or try to outplay my opponent uh and i think i did that most successfully with pikaram I definitely had some games with Lucario Melmetal where I was like, yeah, you know, I, I definitely uh, made certain sequencing things that were better than my opponent and, you know, put them into awkward situations. And I felt good about that. But uh, I wish that I had maybe if there was one regret is that I would have sticked stuck with Pikaram for the entire tournament just because there aren't as many hard losses. I ran into a stretch in the early part of the cup with Lucario Melmetal where I was just hitting into um, kind of a, a crazy amount of fire decks and they were just ending my <laughs> ending my rounds, you know, yeah. first round, first round, first round loss, first round loss, first round loss. And that was a little bit frustrating. So um, I certainly wish that I'd maybe played uh, peek around for a little bit, you know, earlier in the Players' Cup. Yeah, the, the fire decks were definitely... You know, something to be afraid of for the Lucario Melmetal. I ran a fire yeah, all definitely. the time. Especially when Lucario Melmetal was kind of, I would say, at its at its peak hype, which was probably about two or three weeks ago, uh, where I had just come off of a couple of tournament 
placements and um, a couple of big tournament wins. And so, uh, you know, maybe just factoring that in. But I still don't, I don't regret my deck choices. I just maybe wish that, yeah, I don't know, the matchups have been a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Well, it happens. It can happen to the best yeah. of us. For well, sure. Nevertheless, still good job in persevering and putting your best foot forward. And who knows, maybe maybe the stars will align for you. <laughs> well, we, uh, we're kind of talking about what it actually means for Players' Cup rep because we were looking on the leaderboard. And from what we understand, the leaderboard is not as accurate as some might think. Yeah, I... Uh... I don't know what the deal with the leaderboard is. I noticed this when I was doing my run. Um, well, I noticed actually very early on because our friend Michael Zeely had told us how he had noticed that he had a couple more points than he expected. Um, so I was like, that's weird. But I already kind of had this hunch. So I'm pretty sure the leaderboards currently factor in like ticket tournaments as well. So it's causing a pretty massive skew in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's hard to quantify because we can't, like, selectively look at the Players' Cup. But the more, even beyond that, there's also a really annoying factor in that the Players' Cup doesn't discreetly fit into any of the, the leaderboard categories. Sure. <laughs> so what I mean by that is on the leaderboard, you can search by a couple different categories. You can search by tournament rep in standard for this week, this month. Uh, mm -hmm. and this season and like also last week last month last season and what i thought was going to be the most accurate one was this season and that's what i was using when i was climbing but then i noticed um when i finished my run that i wasn't like on the the top of the leaderboard and i'm like that doesn't make yeah. sense because i have what i presume to be one of the highest amount of points in north america sure. <laughs> and so i i looked at um so I looked at this season and it turns out I only had the points I did on like the last Monday. And so yeah. last season has everything in the players cup basically up until last Monday. And yeah. this season is like everything since then. And I just, I cannot wrap my head around how they're organizing this. Presumably Pokemon has this data, like they are tracking it somehow. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be funny if like ticket tournaments were factored in or something and like, yeah, like <laughs> it's just so absurd. And so like, yeah. you know, if you look at this month, which is kind of close, but you know, there was a spirit, a period of time in September when right. you could do the players cup. So like all my points are factored into this month, but not every other person's is. And so just it's absolutely crazy to me actually that it can possibly be set up like this it's like what's going it, it's on certainly, it's certainly interesting yeah it's certainly an interesting thing and it, and it makes it harder as players i mean it doesn't really change right because you're trying to get as many points as possible so like uh knowing how many points you have doesn't really change all that much or at least it shouldn't but at the same time, it'd be nice to know kind of the goal that you're shooting for. Um, yeah, I mean, even know, then, like, if you haven't been tracking your own points right. discreetly and you fell into multiple of these buckets, it gets really annoying to figure out how many you have. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it certainly can be anxiety-inducing for um, those of us that, yeah, maybe didn't keep as good of track as others. I mean, I... And it's like you have to find yourself on the leaderboard, too. Like, I'm personally right in front of me i am logged in to pokemon.com 
and I yeah. can see myself on this month at number four on the leaderboard. But above that, it says you haven't earned any tournament rep from standard format matches yet this month. Sure. Like, that's just objectively untrue. I'm right there. I can see it. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's funny. Well, we'll see how it all shakes out. I mean, again, you said presumably Pokemon has all this data and all this information, and, and I'm sure yeah. they do. It's just maybe, um, you know, the website wasn't set up in a way to accommodate for, you know, the Players' Cup 2 for whatever reason that would be. Uh, but in any case, just just know that everyone that says a point threshold is purely based on speculation. Yeah, if you're at, so, I think the ultimate point of all this is I think everyone listening is responsible enough to like track their own points and have a sense of like what they have. Um, but I don't think you can use the leaderboards as a source of truth for what the threshold will be. I mean, you could probably use it for like overall trends and be like, yeah, you know, we're seeing something in the 80s right now um, if you look at this month. But, mm. you know, it, it's not conclusive. It doesn't factor in everything. And it might be including points from regular tournaments as well. Um, mm -hmm. So um, I would say just shoot for the best that you can. Try and get over 90 if you're really trying to. I mean, it's like I said a couple weeks ago. I was very wishy-washy about it. But I said... Try and get over 90 if you really want to guarantee that you make it. And I still stand by that. I think mm -hmm. if you if you really are trying to get in there, 90, 100, you'll be much safer at that threshold. Sure. sure. So for players that do get to that threshold, we're thinking, you know, maybe 90, um, maybe even mid-90s. Uh, what should you expect in the second stage of the Players' Cup? Yeah. Um, so the second stage of the Players' Cup is a little interesting. You know, you have the, the double elimination format that cuts to the top four per region to move on to the finals. Um, and so when I think of a tournament structured in that way, I think for sure you're going to have to play a deck that is very consistent and doesn't take a lot of hard losses um, because your losses are really going to define your run more than more than your wins. And so... And I guess you could say that about like any Swiss tournament, but this is like a little different in that if you take a second loss, you're completely out of the tournament outright, where you can always go seven and two in a Swiss event and top cut into top 32 or whatever. Um, and so all, the point of all that being is you can't afford to take a lot of hard losses. So you got to be looking pretty carefully at the kinds of decks that you're looking at. So whereas sure. Lucario Melmetal might be a good deck in a vacuum if there seems to be fire type decks even kind even a small percentage of the meta um, mm -hmm. you're basically risking your entire players cup on not playing any of them um, and granted lucario memo will get some new tools which helps it deal with fire decks and right the coming weeks with vivid voltage but it's just the kind of things that you have to think about and and you know lucario memo doesn't have to be the hard stop example there um, sure Sure. Just the point being that, um, you know, if you look at this current format, maybe you don't take something as polarizing. Uh, you know, you maybe don't take something like in this current format, a Lucario Melmetal. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we're extrapolating this into a new format, but uh, maybe something that just has a little bit more of a general positive matchup uh, spread. Right. Like if it was better. played in this format... I mean, obviously, this is coming from a place of bias, but I think Picaram would be like a pretty solid choice because it has yeah. a really good matchup spread. Um, doesn't really take any hard losses, and even its toughest matchups, it can 
find ways to crawl out of. Um, yeah. Whereas a deck like Lucario Mount Metal, there's a lot of Senti Scorches that just roam in the depths of the format and are ready to like eat you alive. So, that being said, yeah. um, one thing to also think about is if you're if you think your hard losses are generally bad po- badly poised in the meta, if you can stay in winner's bracket for a while, you probably won't see them for a while. Um, so like. You know, continuing this metaphor, I don't think Senti Scorch is a very good deck. Um, mm-hmm. If you are playing Lucario Metal and manage to go like three to four rounds without seeing a Senti Scorch, I think your odds of seeing a Senti Scorch at all go down drastically. Um, so it's mm-hmm. not it's not a hard and fast rule, um, but it's something to think about. Sure, absolutely. So I don't know if you had any other like thoughts just about the nuances of the like the format of it yeah no i mean it, it ultimately you're it's a crapshoot because you only get two losses so uh, you really just don't have a lot of w- wiggle room and, and not to say it's going to be the luckiest player but since luck is a significant factor in the pokemon trading card game um you're definitely going to need it to be one of those last four uh, yeah i mean i mean cutting to four from 256 um is inherently there's like a lot of variation that goes into that so <laughs> yeah. you know, i i'd say at the end of the day, like we'd say for any tournament, play the deck that makes sense for you and play your heart out, and you can't be disappointed. I think getting to the Players' Cup at all, you know, it shows a lot of tenacity. It shows a lot of um, strength in the game itself. So um, be happy that, like, you got there in the first place. And and just like we said about the Players' Cup qualifiers, like, take every step of the way as sort of a learning experience. Absolutely. So we also wanted to touch on... Um, on vivid voltage of it. I don't know if we want to do that before or after uh, our card of the week. Sure, we can do it before. Okay. Um, so, for the unaware, the Players Cup Two will be including the vivid voltage set, which will certainly be shaking some things up in the meta. Um, mm-hmm. JW, what are your most high-level preliminary thoughts about how vivid voltage is panning out and how it'll um... impact the meta? Yeah, I mean, you look at the one, well, Pokemon generally spoon feeds certain archetypes. So, yeah. uh, you know, Eternatus, some would argue, you know, ADP <laughs> with the Zacian, uh, they're just going to give you these very obvious synergies and combos to encourage players to, you know, pick up the new deck. And so the biggest thing to look out for at least in preliminary um, preliminary kind of testing and preliminary thoughts on the new format would have to be Colossal VMAX. And yeah. Colossal VMAX having that first attack for one energy, uh, that always like kind of pricks my ears up whenever I see a one energy attack that can do you know over 100 damage. I'm pretty stoked about it. And so Eruption Bomb, 40 damage. Discard the top card of your deck. If that card is an energy, this attack does 90 more damage, then attach that energy to this Pokemon. So you're kind of building up to the second attack, which for four energy can do 240 damage, pretty significant. Uh, But the first attack, really nice, uh, energy excel, and um, you can also accelerate special energy cards. So how that kind of synergizes is you get this nice, cool, little special energy that attaches on a Colossal. I'm blanking on the name at the moment, but it reduces damage by 20. Yeah, I don't uh, know if we have the English name, but it's Stone Energy. 
Something like that, sure, yeah. sure. And so that is obviously a very, very good synergy. VMAX is having a massive amount of health already, and then you're getting an energy card that you can accelerate that prevents damage. So you're looking at, you know, on, I guess, the second turn, right, after you can evolve your VMAX, you could potentially be staring down a, you know, a, an attacker that does enough, you know, 130 damage for one energy and then reduces damage by 40, right? If they attack with the eruption bomb, attach that stone energy and get another one off the top. And that's just really scary to yeah. think about. Yeah, so obviously like the synergy is there as well with the Oranguru card from Sword yeah. and Shield base set to be able to stack cards on top of their deck. In Japan, I think they're playing it a lot with Macargo and it's really taken the format by a storm. Obviously we don't have that option to us. Um, but certainly there's plenty of ways to get a card on top of a deck. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and I would also look at uh, Rotom Phone. Yeah, Rotom Phone, another great option. I, when I think of Colossal VMAX, um, the first attack is definitely really appealing to me. And I think if you have an efficient attack like that on a VMAX, it's always worth looking at. Um, yes. Especially one that's fighting type <laughs> in this format. Right. So, you know, if we look at the... Um, Darkness of Blaze format in a vacuum, there's a lot of fighting weakness spinning around within it. Um, and so it's, uh, it's a little difficult to... Sorry, uh, it's a little difficult to like not justify playing a Colossal, right? So, sure. Uh, sure. And plus 130 is just like a, it's a sweet threshold to, to hit. That's like any, any basic one-prizer... Mm -hmm. is going to be in that 130 threshold for the most part. Um, yeah. And so that's awesome. It cleanly knocks out Pigaroms. It wipes them off. It, with just a little bit of a damage boost, it can knock out uh, Raichu Raichu with a little bit more of a damage boost. And obviously you can get that with the Fighting Dojo. If you're behind, you can get yeah. all the way up to knock out an Eternatus. I mean, yeah. like, the pressure is on for these, for these Dark and uh, Lightning decks to really answer the the call of the format yeah and luckily there is a soft counter to colossal in the form of um you know the the weakness guard energy just being able to particularly for eternatus being able to negate that weakness um can kind of slot yeah. in there as, as a little bit of an answer i think it uh, slots also, better into eternatus for sure sure <laughs> right obviously because pikaram you know you're going to want to be attaching your lightnings um i also look at the Orbital VMAX as being another VMAX that has some potential. I don't quite know how it looks. I mean, Colossal is pretty obvious, right? Because it's very uh, linear in its strategy. But um, Orbital is the one where you put damage counters on your opponent's Pokemon. And that, I think, could be a really, really neat card that surely someone um, will find a way to utilize. Yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, you can't really deny, like, efficient cards like that especially ones that spread damage as well uh, yeah you know there's some cool stuff going on i think we also got to quickly at least mention the the coding metal energy i think is what it's called it's basically mm -hmm. weakness card as a metal energy so lucario metal, metal getting some new tools sure. um you know people who already played the weakness guard and i didn't like the weakness guard because it didn't provide <laughs> a metal energy um, right you know now you can more justifiably fit those kinds of things into your deck because it isn't so much of a problem to attach it to your Zacian. Um, sure. So I, I think we're going to see a shift in the matter for sure. I, I don't think it's going to be easy. Uh, and 
I hate to ever write Pikaram off because it, I feel like anytime you do it, it rears its ugly head again. Um, sure. Not that I've written off Pikaram recently. That's more of a JW thing. <laughs> so, uh, but I I think it's hard to write it off just because of its its perseverance that is displayed. But it seems like now more than ever it is a difficult time to be a lightning rat. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I, I honestly like the the Lucario Metal potentially being more popular with coding metal isn't good for Pikaram either. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that is a really tough uh, tough matchup for Pikaram. Yeah, not unwinnable, but very tough. Um, mm-hmm. Also, want to issue a quick correction. Uh, link one 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 in chat. I think I got the number of ones right. Um, clarified that the Players Cup month is covered under the this month category in uh, mm-hmm. in the TCGO leaderboard. So that's interesting to know. And that regular yeah, tournaments it, aren't giving out rep. So it is. Yeah, and it, it is covered there. The problem is that when there is discrepancy in that, because, you know, like we said, Michael Zeely had a problem. Uh, I actually showed it went during the first couple of weeks of the Players' Cup um, extra rep. And so they I have wonder addressed if they, it. I wonder if they just, like, fixed it at some point. That could be the case. Absolutely. That yeah, could be the case. Maybe, like, in October they wiped out, like, extra rep or something. I don't sure. know. You know, if they've got a good way to deal with it, then... That's awesome for them. I wish there was more clarity to the point where you wouldn't have to go to like a FAQ to figure that out. But yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure that's, absolutely. I think having it there is at least valuable. So thank you um, to Link One 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 in chat for the clarification. So I think it's time now, Riley, for the card of the week. Absolutely, give it to us, should have you? Okay. Well, I have been looking over a lot of Charizard cards, Riley. Did you know that there are over 70 different Charizard cards. I I honestly didn't. I, we were talking about this kind of earlier today. Um, I, I don't know what Charizard specifically you're looking at, but <laughs> the fact that there's 70 just seems absurd to me. That seems like a lot. It, it is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you think that there have only been, what, 90-odd sets ever printed, like, to have 70 Charizards is just like unbelievable I, in my opinion right because there are so many other characters that you know get less than a handful of cards yeah and i mean even in the original 151 there are pokemon that like barely have cards yeah <laughs> right like i i don't remember the last kingler card <laughs> that's that's a good point i think I mean, there was think about it i think there was one in sword and shield base set because i remember i played a Krabby. i think at a pre-release <laughs> Can, can someone fact check me on that? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> In any case, uh, I have been pouring over a lot of Charizards, and uh, this will this will make a lot of uh, a lot more sense as to why. Uh, if you guys watch my YouTube video coming out later this week, but I it is a card that I never had as a kid, and they actually did a reprint of this uh, for X and Y. Uh, but it is the XY promo 280 that was released in Japan. And this promo is reminiscent of the uh, of an earlier promo that uh, was released in Japan. But it's the Ken Sujimori kind of uh, Charizard looking off into the distance. Very iconic. It's, it's the artwork that they used for the... Uh, initial packs 
and then put on a card. And I just find this card to be very emblematic of just the original Pokemon series. Uh, to me, this is the most nostalgic Charizard card. Some people like the um, the base set Charizard, and certainly that is that is iconic in its own right. But uh, to me, this Japanese promo is what really kind of pulls on my heartstrings and makes me say, oh, yeah, you know, uh, this is what makes me fondly remember the game and fondly remember Charizard. Yeah, you always got the cool Japanese promos to talk about. This is this is really nice looking. Well, I just like the <laughs> uniqueness of the Japanese promos. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like the elus- elusivity. I don't think that's a word. But it's the kind of I, I want what I can't have kind of thing. Yeah. No, that's, that's a very cool looking card. And you're right. That does It kicks up like this this wave of nostalgia just looking at it. Obviously, it's got like that evolutions revamped like old card look to it but yeah the, uh, the art itself i i never really thought about the fact that art wasn't on a card before um yeah yeah i mean it was but it it's was, an art that's so recognizable exactly that's kind of it it's like it, it's something that we all know but we've never i don't know we've never had it in america for ourselves you know or, or in um yeah, we. It's always been something that has been kind of elusive. That's never. I've never seen a card like this um, in person. I mean, not that it's like particularly expensive, but just the fact that um, you know, I I would love to get my hands on one of these things because they just, to me, <laughs> symbolize everything that was great about, you know, the late '90s and Pokemon. Yeah, and it's a. Uh, it's definitely super sweet i and you know you talked about wanting the deoxys the other week and lo and behold a deoxys showed up at your doorstep so (laughs) (laughs) who knows (laughs) i think now is probably not the time to be buying charizards yeah just saying Uh, (laughs) yeah probably not a good time for buyers (laughs) in the charizard marketplace yeah, yeah, probably not. They have been going up an absurd amount. I maybe I talked on the stream about how I purchased like ten. This was like six years ago when Evolutions was first printed. Um, I had bought ten Reverse Hollow Charizards and for five bucks each. And I was like, man, am I am I overpaying? And I was like, nah, you know these will go up to like ten dollars in five years. And I'll have made fifty dollars profit. You know, <laughs> and and now there is something absurd like sixty, seventy dollars each, and it's just yeah ridiculous now. Did you already sell them for ten dollars? No, no, I still have them. Okay. I still have them. I'm <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out what to do. Like, do I try to flood the market now, or do I try to hold on to them for later? I don't know. I need to take a good look at the backs too, because if they're gradable, I might want to do that as well. Yeah, grading is the place to be for Charizard right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny i i don't know if you've had this experience but i definitely have where you know people know that you play pokemon so they ask you about like selling their old cards <laughs> that's like that's something that yeah. happens all the time regardless it, yeah. um but i've gotten a huge wave of people being like hey do you think you think i could sell my old collection and i'm like <laughs> i probably not like yeah <laughs> like if this is something you had as a kid then probably not <laughs> yeah well first of all because you probably didn't take care of them second of right. all you probably didn't have anything 
worth selling. Exactly. It's always both of those points. I usually try to focus more on the second point. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, I know you might have thought that you took good care of them, but like maybe you just threw them into like a crappy binder that you got from like Walmart and like they're all scratched up in there. And yeah, you know, like, absolutely. <laughs> like, I yeah. did have, I did have a friend that messaged me and asked me about their collection and they had a shadowless Mewtwo that was in pretty good condition. I was like, okay, well that, you know, there you go. You got some, got a, you know, probably a couple hundred bucks depending. Um, you know, yeah. obviously he was sending me pictures through the phone so I couldn't really see, you know, exact, um, you know, whether it was mint or not, but you know, that that's kind of cool when they actually do have something. Of it is value. cool when they do have something. Yeah. It's cool to uh, find yeah, something. That's pretty fun. Uh, but when they're asking about like their Machop from what is it? Like, no, 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 no. It's always the Machamp because they're like, this is first edition. I don't know if you noticed there's a first edition stamp. <laughs> and then for those of you that don't know this, there's a first edition Machamp and it's not worthless, but it's like $5 and like significantly less than any other first edition hollow because they gave them out as a promo. <laughs> back then so like literally everyone has one they like printed us a, a ton and so um you know first edition machamp really is is kind of a meme in uh, in collection circles i mean I, I think in general like they'll ask people ask about like just you know basically bulk guards i mean they're not i face that it could never truly i don't think ever like all goes all the way to pure bulk but you know, it's, you don't have like millions of dollars on you either. <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> sure. Like, I think they're expecting me to tell them that their Squirtle is worth $50 now. And it's like, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a Squirtle, man. Like, everyone had a Squirtle. Everyone's got a Squirtle. <laughs> so, it's, all, it's always stuff like that. It's, it's fun. It's fine, though. Like, I'm glad that they're at least interested enough to look and um, sure. You know, you find hidden gems in the rough. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you, JW, for sharing that. Um, so let's talk about then what the next couple of weeks are looking like in Pokemon, kind of map out how that's going, um, and give people a sense of what to expect a little bit more for Players' Cup 2. Um, so Players' Cup 2, wrapping up. Uh, if you had to give your final recommendation on a deck to play in this last couple of days of gameplay, what would you say? I would say, you know what? I honestly haven't seen too much fire. So we were kind of giving um, Lucario Melmetal bad rap. But I would say fr from my personal experience, uh, it was a lot of Lucario Melmetal to start. And then I saw um, some fire decks kind of creep up. And then, you know, kind of lessening Lucario Melmetal's uh, potency. But then now I feel like it's it's a perfectly fine time to break out Lucario Melmetal. I think a lot of the fire decks have kind of succumbed to... I've seen a lot of Eternatus. Uh, I've seen a lot yeah, of Yeah, a lot of Eternatus lately. Yeah, yeah. Eternatus seems to be kind of the deck on the rise uh, from my perspective. And so take... Take a matchup there, uh, or take a deck that maybe has a has an even to favorable Eternatus matchup if you want to do well in the last week of Players' Cup. Yeah, it's been really interesting. I think the thing that's been coolest to me about the Players' Cup is you could see the meta change very dynamically. Um, yeah. As people are, like, getting a better sense of what the trend is for a given week, you typically will see people actually respond to that. So, you know, we saw a lot of um, ADP to start, and so... 
you know, people were playing a lot of, like, those really fast and hard-hitting decks, and then Lucario Melmetal had a good matchup against, like, the Eternus and the ADPs, so people mm-hmm. played that a lot. Fire came as a result of that. Picarom just came out of nowhere and had good matchups versus everything, and so yep. people were playing a lot of that. Uh, but then Lucario Melmetal was, like, a good Picarom matchup, so now it's the... And the Fire decks have a bad Picarom matchup, so it seems like the meta is definitely primed for that, and, you know, Eternus is also, like, a logical response to Picarom for the most part. Um, sure. So I think now I was thinking about this as well for sure. Is now is the perfect time for Lucario and Metal players to have their heyday. Um, I think Fire is definitely at a low point right now. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not in the Players Cup tournaments, but I played a lot of ladders since then. I don't know why. I'm just like I keep hitting play again on Pokemon. Uh, That's great. <laughs> um, and I've noticed just Eternatus is everywhere. Picaram is everywhere. ADP is like there, <laughs> not everywhere, mm-hmm. but it's there. Sure. Uh, fire is just completely non-existent right now. So, sure. The Carl Metal, for sure. Uh, so, taking that, we Carl Metal is our the tag team deck of choice for the <laughs> the remainder of the time in the qualifiers. Um, yeah. We talked about Vivid Voltage and how it'll impact the meta. Um, what would you actually play if given like a, a five second? time to think about it in the vivid voltage meta in vivid volt i mean it would probably be trying to figure out how to make colossal work i think that is just the it's just the too obvious to ignore card and you know synergy if you combine it with the stone energy of this next set and so i really want to dig deep into that and exploring how best to play that deck i don't think i'm alone i think that's you know it's just it's they're smacking you in the head with some of these combos and so play you just gotta <laughs> run with them yeah for sure yeah. Uh, yeah i'm kind of in a similar boat i'm very interested in colossal i think it looks i think it looks pretty fun to play as well i i think always that combo of like discarding a card and attaching it is very fun um, yeah. i also think that um the car metal is well poised in the next format unless fire comes on the rise for whatever reason and it might mm-hmm. like um, Picaram being in a much tougher spot gives Fire a little more room to breathe. Um, so I'm kind of waffling between uh, Colossal and Lucario. Sure. Sure. Any other things that you think might be notable in the well? In the coming we format? get we get a new setup Pokemon in the form of Snorlax that I'm pretty excited about. I don't know uh, its best application. Um, in terms of an attacking deck, but I certainly could see any stall variant picking that card up and just loving life. Uh, so Snorlax has this ability that you can draw up to seven and then your turn ends when you use the ability. So it's kind of like a tropical beach on a searchable Pokemon. Uh, that to me just seems really exciting and really interesting, and I'm happy to see an ability like that on a Pokemon. That's really quite stellar i agree that it's cool but do you think that zashin's existence kind of makes it tough for snorlax to find a good niche maybe um but i think you also look at having too many two prizes on your bench as something that you want to avoid if you're kind of a a stall or a control deck so i could i mean i kind of see the reverse of that being like well um you know maybe you want to play a dedene and so you usually don't want to have, you know, Zashin, Dedene, 
and like Oracorio or something on your bench. So maybe playing the Snorlax will allow you to mix it up with the other two prizes that you play. Yeah, I, I, the two prizes is definitely a factor. I think the thing that I think of most is that a lot, a lot of times these decks have large hand sizes. Um, sure. The exception, I guess, being like post Marnie. I think Snorlax, I guess, is probably a better card after you get Marnie, but otherwise, um, Sashian seems like a better option because yeah i mean certainly certainly there are maybe you play yeah. both and just go hog wild yeah. Like. yeah i just i i look at it as kind of a card that it just is interesting i mean you can play it on your first turn you can use the ability on your first turn um just like zashin right but um perhaps there's some way for dex to incorporate that because i mean it's clearly a very strong ability it's just how can you best utilize it for sure yeah, it's definitely a strong ability, and not to, not to rag on Snorlax at all. You know, he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when, uh, when like fun Pokemon like Snorlax get a cool ability or something to go with them. Gen Oneers celebrate. Yeah, well, I've said this before. The thing I like about the TCG and Snorlax isn't the best example of this because Snorlax is actually a very good Pokemon, um, but it gives. Pokemon a a chance to put other things in the spotlight um, as opposed to the big, most common, most popular dudes. Uh, oh, uh, hello. And I think your camera's frozen. Ooh, okay, great. Yes, I was I was having a little bit of, uh, of trouble hearing you. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I guess we got that figured out, so... Um. <laughs> Nevertheless, we, we trudge on. So one last question I have for you in this speed round we have here is, do you think there is going to be a major change to Expanded? Pokemon's kind of alluded to the fact that they're going to be updating the Expanded format uh, in November here. Do you mm -hmm. think there's going to be a major shift? And if so, what do you think that'll look like? Man, I really hope so. Um, I I am really waiting for them to kind of be a little bit more inclusive certainly there have been a lot of changes over the last six months um in terms of what they do with events and uh, i i can understand why you know focusing on standard would be of the utmost importance but i think when you look at pokemon one of the biggest changes that they have ever implemented in my entire time playing was the expanded format and i just don't want to see them kind of leave it by the wayside here during the pandemic you know they were doing a pretty good job when we still had events of making sure that there were standard and expanded tournaments happening um but now with the pandemic we really haven't seen any expanded events aside from you know the occasional kind of grassroots tournaments and so i would love to see them not only update a ban list but announce a, a an event for expanded yeah and to me, it almost signals that they might be thinking about doing something if they're actually actively updating the list, because they have no real incentive to update it until they have an event. <laughs> and I right. guess I guess that part of it is that um, they don't have like an official ban list update period until February after this. So, you know, I guess this covers their bases in case they can have real life stuff. But I would love to see some sort of online expanded event happenstance. Uh, and even if it's like small relatively to the like players cup you know they don't need to pay out travel awards but you know i have some sort of yeah. incentive well i 
Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be an awesome time to just have something like a, uh, you know, a, I don't know, a mini Players Cup where it's like you could get some in-game merch or something. Yeah, for something cool. Completing yeah. a certain number of events or um, competing in a certain number of, of tournaments. I think that would be kind of an interesting uh, avenue that they could pursue. So do you have any strong feelings about what should be changed and expanded? Uh, I think there are a few enablers. I really just dislike uh, Trevenant and Dusknor, uh just as a card. I think that things like Melodic are interesting and could be used in different ways, although um, certainly more abusable now that we have Pokemon V, which they were never designed to uh, go with. Um, and I also GX, too. <laughs> and G- yeah, and GX as well. Yes, of course, of course. Um, but I, I think, you know, I mean, obviously the culprit's have to be shaman scoop up net those are like kind of the 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 biggest kind of problem cards of the expanded format so whether both of them need to go i don't quite agree i think probably just shaman needs to go yeah um because scoop up net still has you know i mean it's just a cool card that really hasn't had its chance to shine and expanded we haven't had an event i don't believe with scoop up nets legal i i could be wrong on that but um my gut you feel know, is as well that if Pokemon has to choose between an older and a yeah. newer card, they're going to choose the older one to ban. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, even though Shaman isn't like super expensive to get your hands on, uh, which is another reason that they might potentially look to ban something. Um, I, I still, yeah, I, I would still like to see Shaman banned as opposed to Scoop Up Net. Yeah. But that's all I got. I don't, I don't think like if they banned Scoop Up Net and they banned uh, Trevenant and Dusnor, I think I'd be pretty happy along with their current bans. I think I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the Trevnar combo is pretty toxic, so I'd like to see it reduced in some capacity. I think Shaman yeah. itself is very problematic, and his time has passed, and I've said that for a while now, and I think Scoop Up Net has really just culminated that. So um, we have much more healthy, better balanced draw options with Crobat and Dedenne, and you can draw quite a few cards in your turn with just those. So I don't really see it a reason to allow Shaman to continue to enable future degeneracy. Um, mm-hmm. I also would kind of like to see Beach go just because it's completely inaccessible, but um, I'm not, I don't feel like strongly about it. I'm not going to go to war for that one. Um, what yeah. I would like to see go is um, Lily's Pokédoll. I think mm-hmm. having Pokédoll and Robo-Sub isn't very healthy. Like I don't think you should be able to play more substitute cards than you have prizes <laughs> mm, sure so sure um i i just don't think that's like great game design and obviously they weren't like really intended to be played together so um i think yep. cutting down to one of the dolls is probably fine and i think nine out of ten players wouldn't really mind anyway <laughs> yep yep um i'm not again i'm not as married to that one as i am to shaman but yep i think it would be a little healthier yeah absolutely cool so i think we've hit a a great point here to jump into the open forum with chat so if you have any thoughts about expanded or any other questions that you'd like us to address just leave them in the chat we'll answer the first couple that we see there and as always we want to thank you all for your continued support and listenership if you're listening on itunes be sure to leave a rating and a review it really helps us out it gets us boosted further and further up in the ever elusive algorithm wars 
um, <laughs> we're trying to overcome all the algorithms that come our way. You know, we we were in the top 200 game podcasts last week in America. I feel like we float in and out of the of like the top. Maybe it was tabletop that we were in the top for as well. Uh yeah, that could be it. I forget. We, we talked about we this. We definitely once were in the offline. top 200 in games in the United States of America and top 150 in games in New Zealand. There you go, New Zealanders. So, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> we love our New Riley, Zealand friends. What uh, What have you been enjoying the most on the ladder? You said you were playing a little bit of. <laughs> I'm still playing uh, Pokemon Pokemon man. for fun. I'm still playing Pikachu, man. I know that's like so dumb that I've just like only played Pikachu. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's such a fun deck. I, there's so much nuance to it that uh, I like mapping out my game plan every single game and like changing one card in the deck and feeling it's just drastically different. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I'm a legend, right? Like yeah. Yeah. put in a Coco. I'm a, I'm a guy. Yeah. You know? So I've, I've just been really on the Pikaram <laughs> grind and I know that's like, it's kind of lame to just play the same deck over and over and over again, but... <laughs> It's just been I, fun. I mean, I I'm I always tell people like that I coach like there are a couple different ways to go about metagaming and and playing decks for events and like one is 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 kind of more my approach where I'm going to be switching and I'm going to be changing things up and I'm going to be um, you know switching archetypes and and trying the new thing and um, going back to old things and trying out different combinations and I just always like to change I'm all about the change and then there are other people that have really good success just sticking with one thing. And just becoming unbelievably proficient at that one thing. And that has always been something that I've been really curious about because um, certainly there are benefits in the sense that there isn't a lot of cost investment, right? You get to keep <laughs> a lot of the same cards, right? For sure. Um, and then there's there's a lot of benefit in that, you know, just the matchups in and out. So you don't have to rely on kind of how you feel a matchup is going to go. You know, you've been in those situations before. And uh, I've certainly, you see a lot of players just do particularly well, just taking one archetype and learning it, everything about it. Yeah. No, I definitely think there's value in it. And I mean, my tournament win came off of grinding one deck. And granted, it was obviously the best deck in the format, but, uh, you know, grinding one deck to absolute hell and back. But, uh, right. You know, when I'm playing a ladder, usually I like to mix it up just because I, I like to play meme decks. But I think this format has just kind of defined itself so well that yeah. Pikaram just is something I, I always feel comfortable playing. And so I'm sure. just going to play it. We do have sure. a couple questions in chat here. Um, one from Zoro Dad GX. What's the best way to figure out what expanded deck to play? Modify a good standard list? There are some people who take that approach for pretty much every expanded event. And they always generally have decent results. I think to get the best results in Expanded, you have to look at it completely separate from Standard. Um, so certainly you can use Standard to inform your opinions and how, but oftentimes the best decks aren't going to be just Standard decks ported over. It's gonna be an archetype that was like tailor-made to fit into the format. Um, just because there's so many different considerations you have to make for both formats. Um, mm -hmm. So a deck has to be really exceptional to exceed in, to truly exceed in both. You know, I'm thinking like ADP or, or, is like something yeah, or, that's worked in right, both. Right, or exceed in the same way, you know. Yeah. Certainly like ADP, you're never going to find in the expanded format an ADP list that plays metals and waters or 
maybe not never, but that's just like very improbable. You know, most likely you're going to see ADP lists that play the a double dragon. And so why is that? Well, that card is just leagues better than uh, how it's played in the standard format. So yeah, you can take certainly decks from standard and try to port them over to expanded. But like Riley is saying, there are just so many combinations in the expanded format that are just way too insanely good that um, you know are really going to change, like completely upend the best decks from the standard format just because of the standard format's limited card pool. Exactly. We got another question from Sword Out as well. For tourneys, is better to go with a deck you're comfortable with playing or one you think is good for the meta? We've talked about this a lot. I think. I think you got to kind of map out those two curves and find the intersection that makes the most sense. So, um, you know, certain players feel more, are like more comfortable, like switching on the fly. So if there's a deck that you're just generally comfortable with and you're not comfortable with the rest of the meta, you know, stick with that deck, play the deck that you're best with. Um, but kind of weigh that against like your comfort level versus how good it is poised overall. Yeah. Um, So I think the ultimate answer is the deck you're most comfortable with that fits within like the meta top right now the top of the meta yeah. right now yeah yeah i mean it definitely is this kind of weird like spectrum graph right where it's like a have... risk reward curve right where you know sure. you're trying to meet it at like the crossing point where you get the minimum risk for the maximum reward <laughs> yeah yeah sure exactly and so what that means for you is obviously going to be different uh but trying to identify uh where that is and a lot of that comes from experience yeah. You know, I won't lie and say that experience has never been a factor, but like it, it's things like those like feel um, for choosing decks uh, and knowing a metagame that the experience comes into play. For sure. Count the money saying if your expanded deck isn't completely broken, you need to pick a new deck. Uh, that's pretty much absolutely true. Uh, you probably need to break the expectations of the game in at least one way. To go along with that, if your podcast isn't extremely broken, you need to pick a new one. <laughs> that, you mean I'm, like broken in a an overpowered sense, right? Like not a yeah, not yeah, a, not a broken. Yeah, no, 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 not like not like unlistenable. <laughs> yeah, more like more like just so good. Like you enjoy the host so much that you can't help but leave a five star review on whatever listening platform <laughs> you are currently on. Especially if you live in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a, a perfect stopping point for us. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Flexdad, or sorry, at Real John Walter and uh-huh. at Smiles of the Riles, and also on Twitch. Uh, GW's Twitch channel is Flex Daddy Righteous, and me right here on Munner. Um, the next Full Grip Online series is coming up soon as well so be sure to register for that if you haven't already and are looking to get in some pokemon action that's going to be all from us and we'll catch you next time peace thanks for listening